Welcome to the Small Business Tips Podcast presented by Amelia. I'm your host, Matt Fish. Thank you so much for stopping by, spending some time with us today. Make sure you're subscribing to the show on your platform of choice, including Apple Podcasts and or Spotify. Leave us a nice five-star review and some glowing recommendations on that platform of choice too if you're enjoying the show. Helps everybody online find these practical small business tips a whole lot easier. Today, we are talking about nonprofits, maybe an underserved part of the business sector, not talked about nearly enough, and we are going to change that today. Joining me to break it all down is my good friend from Amelia, Sarah Perron. It is so good to see you, dear. Thanks for being here. Before we get started and dive into nonprofits in general, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about what you do here at Amelia, what your job description entails? I'm a marketing coordinator here at Amelia. Um, Yeah, and I'm taking care of partners and event planning. We have you here and a very valuable insight we're going to share on the show. You've worked with uh, nonprofits in the past. Uh, Would you mind telling everybody a little bit about your background in the nonprofit sector, how you got started, where that interest uh, lied when you first began? Uh, How I first began is I did a master's in sports management in Ottawa and kind of fell in love with that whole nonprofit culture and started my career at uh, uh, Speed Skating Canada and then transitioned to a skiing association um, and been working in that field for about five years. And yeah, it was a really, really interesting um, start to my career going in nonprofit. You know, a lot of people talk about nonprofits as a totally different sector of the business world, certainly when it comes to marketing, uh, especially, frankly, the differences I don't think are all that large and all that protracted. Can we sort of apply a lot of the same principles to for-profit businesses, non-profit businesses out there, and can they sort of succeed in similar ways? Yeah, definitely there are things that you can apply certain principles into nonprofits. And I think it's important to apply those things. You know, the focus is different in nonprofits. Uh, The focus tends to be towards members and it's really pleasing those members. So that's why sometimes uh, in a nonprofit setting, you kind of get lost and you're always trying to please the member. Um, But it's important to always prioritize and apply those basic principles to be more efficient in order to be successful. I think that it's a good distinction between sort of members and you're serving this larger community. And that's a lot of what I've heard about nonprofits, sort of talking with other professionals in our specific marketplace and sort of others in the tech industry. So let's go through it a little bit, right? Do you think that nonprofits today are sort of maybe behind the times a little bit in terms of technological adoption or just sort of forward thinking for trends, tools in the market that would help them succeed on a higher level? Or is it sort of maybe 50-50? Are they straddling that fence a little bit? I think it's 50-50. It depends on the nonprofit. There are some nonprofits that are very powerful, um, like Hockey Canada, for example, and they tend to renew themselves and they're up to par with technology. Some other nonprofits are a little smaller and they might not have the same budget. So um, they tend to maybe not renew themselves. And also 
a really interesting point is that in a nonprofit setting, often the staff doesn't really change. They've been there for 10, 20 years. And if you're there for a long time, you're not challenged as much as if you were to start in a new job. Um, so they aren't faced with the same issues, right? So they don't have the same competition, so they might not need to renew themselves. So we're talking about renewing that sort of mentality, looking for different ways, different, uh, you know, methods, approaches to serving that larger target audience. But, you know, there could be this scenario and not could be, I frankly, I think that there is on a lot of uh, the nonprofits that operate on a smaller scale, as you pointed out, not the hockey Canada's of the world and not these sort of self-sustaining organizations where they have enough money coming in that it's never really a problem. There might also be a, a, a level of discomfort with technology, uh, the barriers that it presents in terms of implementing different types of software, new hardware example, and just change in general. You said the staff doesn't change. So maybe walk me through a process where that lack of change could manifest itself and potentially become an obstacle for a nonprofit? Um, well, for example, let's say you have a staff member, a marketing coordinator, for example, um, and they have, they are a jack of all trades. They have to get everything done and then they're told to renew themselves, go get new technology to make, a, I don't know, whatever software function quicker and better, um, they're going to take that task and the process can be quite long. It can be up to a year to get it approved. Um, so they have to do the research, prepare a presentation, um, bring it to the upper management, upper management will then approve it, then go to the board of directors, pitch your, your idea on technology and why you want to integrate this new software in your business, in the business, and the board will vote on it. So and that that can take up to six to seven months. Then after that, you it can be approved and then you have to get the budget for it. And that can take a few more months. So it's a, it's a whole year process to get that approved. Um, and then once you have it, you have a million things to do because you're the only person in that department. Um, so that's where the challenge can be created because you might have the plan in place you might be able to convince the right people and then boom, you don't have enough budget and oh, the members don't agree with it. So it doesn't pass the vote. So there's a lot of obstacles to go through. Um, but if you can get through all those and, you know, make a great pitch, then it can be really well worth it down the road. Certainly with, you know, paying off in the long run down the road, but that, you know, that process can take a while. And, you know, there's a couple of sides to that coin. The first being, after that eight, 10 to 12 month process, there's no guaranteeing that that software, that digital tool that whomever that initiated the process was seeking out to help them in their day to day at a nonprofit is even going to be compatible, useful anymore. Updates keep evolving. And, you know, then there's the question of this mentality that comes up a lot in the nonprofit sector. I know this, you know this, this the quote unquote if it's not broke, don't fix it, right? Um, do you feel like that still continues to be a bit of a problem in the sector too? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, this is not all nonprofits, but definitely some of them are like that because 
um, you know, a lot of nonprofits don't have major competition. So they have been functioning with what they have, their in-house software, certain things that are that that are in place for a long time. And it's not broken, quote unquote. It's not functioning very well, but it's not broken. So they they say, oh, why would I spend more money to fix it and start from scratch? But it the important thing that they they need to know is that it's really well worth it because it'll be so much more efficient. And, you know, these, these softwares that do everything in one, they just don't always exist. You have to merge different softwares to be very efficient and optimal. Um, so yeah, that tends to be the mentality of it's not broke. Why fix it? But it is important to fix it because down the line, it will be broken. Exactly. Well, you don't want to wait for it to be broken. Number one. And then, you know, it's a, it's an example that I've given on on our blog and to different uh, folks who have asked me to why sort of that technological change is not necessarily a choice, but almost mandatory, right? So in the why fix it if it's not broken camp, I always say, well, listen, if you saw somebody driving a steam powered vehicle to get to work every day on the premise of, well, the car itself is not broken, that machine still works, yeah, yeah. but this person has to stop on the side of the road every five minutes to reset all the gears and to reload the, the fluid so the steam can come out of, uh, out of the car and everything to make it go. You would think that that person is clinically insane. <laughs> so, you know, there is a limit to that theory is yeah. basically all I'm saying. And I, I want to go back to, cause I, this can also influence that, application and that approval process, right? And this has to do with the strategic plans or the long-term plans that a lot of nonprofits will be making every year, every couple of years. Can you speak a little bit to that process and sort of give the folks out there listening a little bit of a peek behind what could go into a typical strategic plan uh, for a nonprofit? Oh, well, the strategic plan, usually it's on a three to five year basis. And then, you know, the whole board gets together and they invite key people in the organization to make recommendations. Um, Often technology is on there. It's in all the organ- nonprofit organizations I've worked with, it's always been, you know, be up to date with technology, use the latest technology, and then it ends there. The action plan behind latest technology is not, it's not very in-depth compared to other parts of that strategic plan, like improve membership experience, uh, improve educational offerings. Like those are really, really, that's their specialty. They know what they're good at and they go in depth about that. But when it comes to the technology part and the strategic plan, it kind of just stops there. And they, a lot of boards know, okay, we need to, we need to be there. We need to have technology um, integrated into our organization, but they don't quite know how. Um, and it makes sense because a lot of people on boards, their background is not an IT specialist or, you know, it's whether it's a ex skier or ex speed skater, ex swimmer, um, they're, you know, they're, what they're good at is not necessarily what <laughs> is entailed with an action plan for implementing a software. So it tends to just kind of sit there and the intention is good, but it tends to sit on the shelf. So it's really important to make sure, sh- make that a priority on the strategic plan 
But I just want to point out too, while we're talking about the the strategic plan, excuse me, and you know how it's implemented or not, the long processes, maybe the unwillingness to change. Neither you nor I are questioning the passion level and the commitment level of a lot of people in nonprofits. And again, I'd like to take a couple minutes just to talk about that because, frankly with other organizations, with other people who are in sort of that public sector or non, non-for-profit organizations, um, that really does take a backseat sometimes. And that lack of implementation is the, is the quality that gets a bad rap. So passion in the nonprofit industry, I know, and you know, uh, is not an issue, but maybe you can speak to how much of an issue it is not, if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. Um, Nonprofits, what they do well is take care of that community. Um, and really that's, that's what they're good at. That's what, you know, working in a marketing department for a few nonprofits, it was kind of easy to put forward that community and people were so, so passionate about it. The members are the board, you know, everybody's really, really into it. So if we could carry that passion into the technology, it, it, I mean, it would just make the organization flourish because it's just that missing piece, you know, and that would really make the big difference. You know, one other thing that really strikes me as a strong point for nonprofits too, is their knowledge of their audience. Um, most of the time, especially for these sport organizations, um, similar community enterprises, they will know that quote unquote buyer persona or, you know, that sort of avatar by heart. Um, is that because these staff members typically are there for longer and like sort of what else goes into nonprofits having this really strong idea of their target audience? Well, often a lot of the the staff have been, they were that member before so they can relate. Um, and they have been there for so long, obviously, like you were saying. Um, so they really know that member. They know him really well. The problem is, is that a lot of members and nonprofits are getting older and older. So there's kind of this, you know, in between part where, oh, what do we do with the newer members? We don't relate to them. You know, they're 20 years old and I'm 50. Like how, how can I relate to them? So this is where, you know, researching and making sure that your data is accurate and, understanding the intention behind that member. Why are they choosing to uh, become a member of your organization? Why are they going to one of your events? You need to know why you cannot assume anymore um, after a certain point of time. So it's really interesting to do a heat mapping, um, analyzing where do these users go? Are they on social media? Do they read on their phones? Like it's really, really, really pivotal for nonprofits to be successful in the future and survive at this point, because this is where everyone's at. You know, the younger generations are very in tune with technology and nonprofits are kind of struggling to make that shift and make sure that they're in tune with this new millennial market. Um, So it's really important to make sure that that data is accurate. Well, I think that even to the millennial crowd is sort of 
I don't want to say on its way out, but I yeah. think the, even the millennial generation is getting older and it's the, the generation behind us. We're both millennials. Yeah. Aww. Oh. Aren't we adorable? Uh, <laughs> and you know, like you said, that, that generation behind is going to be even more entrenched in the, the social media way of, you know, communicating online yeah. Uh, doing their registering for certain activities, do making all of their purchases online. I mean, there's there's going to be a point where the Amazon and the Amazon Prime mentality is really going to have to segue to a lot of these smaller organizations because that's just the model that works and that's the model that everybody's into. Um, before I let you go, though, we were talking about all of these sort of bigger ideas. Are there a couple of concrete ways that you think nonprofits can sort of really up their game in these specific uh, marketing ways? So if whether it's communicating with people on social media or whether it's revamping that newsletter or email strategy or even their website, um, are there a couple of bigger overarching ideas that run through all of those marketing categories for nonprofits that you think they could easily switch for the better? I mean, data, 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 data. I know we just talked about it, but that's really where it can, it can just make the big difference. And if you need to go to your board of directors and try to prove something and you have the data to back it up, then you can go forward with your communication strategy. You can go forward with your marketing initiative. So I feel like my experience in nonprofit, that's where I was able to win over the board. I was able to win over upper management by saying, Hey, you can increase your members by so many, you know, 20% or 17%, whatever percentage it is, <laughs> you can increase it by, you know, using this software and, and prove it, prove it. Uh, you know, don't ever assume anything. And I find working in marketing and nonprofits, that's really where you're going to win over people. And that's where you're going to go get budget as well. Um, because they'll see, Hey, like if we do this, if we go forward with this initiative, this will be the outcome. Let's go find the money. And often they can find the money, you know, it depends how big of the price tag is, but usually they can find the money if they know that they'll have a hundred new members by next year because of this change. So that's really where it would be important. And also prioritize what will generate money, what will generate money. That is the second thing that I would say, um, you know, redo, if you don't have time to redo your newsletter and you see it, it won't be as money generating, then maybe that can go on the back burner. So it's really prioritizing what will generate the most money and your data, making sure you have that data. You know, I think it all kind of comes down to with both of those answers is making sure that everybody, and I'm not saying anybody is sort of going out of their way not to do this uh, in the nonprofit sector, but really honing in on what's going to be the best for your organization going forward. What's really going to um, not only help a nonprofit grow and evolve and, you know, get those hundred new members next year, but just be a sustainable part of the community yeah. for, for years and years to come. And, you know, there really is this, this fear amongst a lot of people that if times don't change soon, the money well could dry up and some of the outlooks for a lot of smaller organizations can be uh, pretty bleak. So, you know, I think despite all of that, it's a really exciting time uh, for small businesses, entrepreneurs, because the internet is the great equalizer. Um, still, 
in the in the year 2018, despite you know some some cracks in that system. And I'm, we've all read the big news stories. So I don't necessarily need to go over them here. But um, what's maybe getting you most excited about that sector, uh, nonprofits in general? I know that you don't you're not necessarily in it nine to five, uh, you know, on a month to month basis anymore, but just from afar, what are some steps being taken that really make you, uh, optimistic for the future? Well, I think what's getting me the most excited about nonprofits is the fact that they're more and more, you know, realizing, Hey, we have to renew ourselves. Let's do this. And it's, it's upper management. It's people that have been there for 20, 30 years they are realizing this. So, you know, things will happen, things will change. And some big organizations who completely overhauled their branding, completely overhauled their software, everything, um, you know, and a lot of us didn't expect them to. So that's really exciting. So I think more and more, some, some new blood are coming into the organization. Uh, some people that are already there are kind of, you know, renewing themselves and opening their eyes because there's some new blood coming in. So, I think we'll see a slight shift and it's good. It's good. It's going in the right direction. So I think that part is very exciting to see some big organizations and nonprofits like Swimming Canada redid themselves, uh, Hockey Canada as well. They, they've renewed themselves and other nonprofits are kind of looking up to them say, Hey, how come they got this much? You know, why are they changing? Let's see how we can change as well. So I think it's being open to change Uh, more and more. That's what I'm most excited about. And I couldn't agree more. I couldn't have said it better myself. So listen, I can't beat it. We're just going to thank her. Sarah Perron, marketing coordinator here at Amelia and our nonprofit guru. As always, dear, it's great talking with you. Thank you so much, Matt. Make sure you're subscribing to the podcast wherever you get your podcasting material for free online. If you're digging the show, leave us a nice five-star review as well. It helps others find the show, make it easier to transmit this knowledge all across the world wide web for everybody. Marketers, business professionals, entrepreneurs, even people who just like to hear this, this fun show. Uh, Amelia.com as well for blogs, webinars, videos, everything you need to get that marketing and small business knowledge up to par. Once again, A-M-I-L-I-A.com. We'll see you next week.